Today, on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. There's a danger in the church today, and we're seeing it rise up in this generation more than ever before, where so much of the church seems to be defined by what we're against instead of what we're for. That we're known who we're against. We're known what we're against. Oh, we don't approve of that. Oh, we don't like that. Oh, no, not here, not Christians. We don't like that. Those guys and that group. And yet, we're not known for who we're for. Nobody really ever gets a good representation of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've forgotten where you have come from. (laughs) You were one of them. I was one of them. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. It's time once again for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Thanks for dropping by and get ready for a great time in the Word as we head back to Daniel chapter 2. We're strategically airing this series at this very hour because we believe the message of Daniel has just what we need to hear and receive in a global crisis. You see, Daniel was in a crisis of his own in this chapter of his life. He had a death sentence hanging over his head, but that didn't deter him from being a powerful instrument in God's hands. Let's see how the Lord can use us in much the same way. Take your Bibles, would you please open them to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off in verse 24 last time in a Bible study that I've entitled, You Are Powerful in God's Hands. You are powerful in God's hands. It's here in chapter 2 of Daniel in the middle where we find Nebuchadnezzar alone in the dark. He's wondering about the future and thinking about his own life and immortality. He's a little confused because he's been having these recurring dreams that have greatly troubled him. And through these dreams, they have unsettled him in his authority and leadership But they've also reminded him that the magicians and the sorcerers and all of those around him really don't have access to truth, that they're not living in truth, and that they're unable. And so what does he do? He wants to know what these dreams mean, so he calls all the magicians, astrologers, and everyone, and he says, I want you not only to tell me what the dreams mean, but I want you to tell me the dream. I'm not going to tell you the dream. Because in order to establish your authority, you need to tell me the dream. And after you tell me the dream, then give me the interpretation. And what we learn in that is that Nebuchadnezzar understood that they could make anything up from the dream. He could tell them what the dream was, and they could make anything up, and there would be no real authority based on what they said. But for them to have to tell him what the dream was, without any hints or anything, and the interpretation— really put their reputation on the line and tells us that I don't believe Nebuchadnezzar really believed they knew what they're talking about, but rather used them to control people. Just like today, quite frankly, and unfortunately, where religion is used to hurt people. And religion, you know, the word simply means to bind up. 
And I know that it's used in the book of James. It's not used in a negative sense. It's actually used in a sense of, of relationship in terms of a systematic worship of God. But when we use the word religion today, you know, when you hear the, the word religion compared to relationship, religion is really not used in a positive sense. It's more of a system of belief that you have to follow in order to feel right with God. That's not what God teaches. He doesn't want you to be religious. He doesn't want you to be repetitious. He doesn't want you doing things just because you were told to do things or because you think you have to do things or because you're feeling very guilty because of behavior in your life or you were raised in a religion that made you feel guilt. That's not God's heart for you. The greatest motivation in serving God is your love relationship. It's your response to God. He is always the initiator. Everything in your life started with God. It did not start with a pastor or a radio program or a church. It didn't start with your parents or your grandparents. Everything in your life that relates to God started with God. He's the initiator. We are the responders. We respond to His love. Remember, the Bible teaches us that we love God. Why? Because He first loved us. Our response of love is because He first loved us. And we're the responders. Nebuchadnezzar is troubled. He's the ruler of the known world. And he stood there with great authority. He believed that he ruled the world, that he was the last word. Nebuchadnezzar thought that history was his, that he could control his own destiny, be the captain of his own ship. And I think if we were to observe Nebuchadnezzar, we would probably agree with him to some degree. We would see a successful man, a powerful man, a rich man. He was powerful in the realm of the government. And at his word, somebody could be put to death. At his word, someone could be banished. At his word, someone could be blessed. I mean, we look at today the equivalent of that would may not be so much a world ruler, but today we might view celebrities that way. You may believe that celebrities have it made. And, and at their word, things can be done. I mean, you know, you, you think of some of these celebrities on Instagram and influencers that they can be paid a quarter of a million dollars to just post one thing on their Instagram account so that it affects the 20 million followers that you have. And, and you look at that and you might think, well, man, I wish I had that kind of influence. I wish somebody would pay me. I'll take 200 bucks. I'll take two bucks to post something on my Instagram. Like, I'll take any. Give me something. I'd like, and you look at them and you think, well, they have everything. History is theirs. They never have any problems. They can write their own ticket, go anywhere, buy anything, do anything. It's not true. History is not ours to write. I mean, when you think about it, history is actually his story. The, the, the reality of history is really the redemptive work of God on the earth. Everything else doesn't matter. Everything else pales in comparison to the story of God as he's writing in advance, prophetically giving us all that would happen. History is his story. And the powers that will soon, the powers that be, listen today, the powers that be will soon be the powers that were because people come and go and leaders come and go. Even in our own government, we recognize there's a political cycle, isn't there? And leaders come and go. And parties rule and then they don't rule. And that's why it's so important for us today to take advantage of now, of today. 
to live our lives in the now, moment by moment abiding in Jesus Christ. How careful we need to be not to get too hung up what's happened in the past, because the past is behind us. Neither are we to be too worried, or maybe some of you not worried at all about what will happen in the future. I'm reminded of Jesus when he says, don't worry about tomorrow. But that's one of our greatest hang-ups. We worry about tomorrow, and we get hung up in the past. But rather, God is always calling us to live in the now, because now is all we have today. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, because that honors Jesus Christ. I don't remember the exact statistic. I didn't look it up for our time today. But it's somewhere in the 90s. Let's just say 95% of the things that a person worries about never happens. Never happens. But while we're stuck on the realm of worry, we're worried about things that are never going to happen, but we're losing the moment. We're losing the moment mentally. We're losing the moment spiritually. And Jesus says, Don't worry about tomorrow. Today is sufficient. There's enough in the moment. In 2 Corinthians, jot it down in chapter 6, verse 2, it says, For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Mark that. The right time is now is always now because today is the day of salvation. So let's pick up as we close out this chapter in verse 24. With all this in mind, this is Nebuchadnezzar, who you would think has it all under control. Verse 24, Daniel goes in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, Don't kill the wise man. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Arioch quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. Then the king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret and mark this phrase, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. There is a God in heaven. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. And then he begins to reveal it to him. So Daniel, fresh from his prayer meeting, Daniel talks to Arioch, who's known as the executioner. He's been sent out to kill Daniel and his friends because they're now a part of the wise men. They're young men that were kidnapped taken into captivity. We use that phrase, taken into captivity, but they were literally kidnapped, taken in. And remember in our previous studies, they're going to be brainwashed in all that's happening in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, in the Babylonian kingdom, and then they're going to be one of the wise men like everyone else. And because they're one of the wise men, they're going to be executed. And as they, Daniel, when he hears that, he calls for a prayer meeting. God affirms that he's going to reveal to him. They start praying. They start praising God. And fresh from this prayer meeting, he comes inspired and hopeful. And I want you to notice he pleads for the lives of his friends. He pleads for the lives of the wise men, of the astrologers, of the magicians, of the pagan unbelievers. 
And to me, that's the grace of God in a person's life. That's a manifestation of God's grace. Most might have thought about saving their own life and not worrying about those guys. Most would have thought about saving their own skin and watching out for themselves as we live in a culture that we've been, had this pounded into our head. The most important people, me, myself, and I. And so when we're faced with crisis, rather than seeking the Lord, people faced with crisis, even believers will often think of themselves and only themselves. Well, what is this going to mean for me? What is it going to mean for my family? How, how will I be financially secure? And all of those things. I'm only thinking about me. But that's not Daniel here. He's faced with a death sentence, an immediate death sentence. And instead of just throwing his arms up and trying to sell other people out, and, and he's thinking of other people and putting his own life on the line for the sake of others, which becomes a picture and a type of Jesus Christ, doesn't it? Who laid his own life on the line for the sake of you and me through the mercy and the grace of God. And not only his friends, but all of the pagan unbelievers. It wasn't just his friends. I mean, I think there's probably a sense where we could see, well, he's going to watch out for his buddies, his teenage buddies. But it's not just his teenage buddies. He's looking out for those that he's been going to school with and being taught by and being brainwashed by. He wants to stand before Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel's heart is God's heart, which I believe should be our heart. God loves the lost, and so should we. I am becoming more and more frustrated as a pastor to hear what's happening in the church, perhaps even in our own church, although I haven't been on Facebook in a while, so I don't know what people are posting these days. But I do know the bigger picture where whole classes of people are being put down because of their gender, because of their confusion in, realm, in, in realms of what gender they think they are, or I see the church putting down politics and putting down politicians and putting down whole segments of people because of their, their political views and becoming so hypercritical and becoming so hyperjudgmental, becoming, quite frankly, so loveless in a broken, dark world. I, I don't know who I'm speaking to. I don't know who this is relatable to. But I must ask you the question, where do you think that's getting you with the gospel? What doors do you think God is opening for you when you just stand up and say, oh, I, you know, send those immigrants back. Really? Seriously? Why don't you find them and share the gospel with them? Well, you know, they don't belong here. What do you care whether they belong? They're standing in front of you. They're people. And you go, oh, Ed, that wasn't very nice. Well, too bad. What's your problem? Why do you care? Well, you know, because of this country. Do you know God preceded this country? Did, did you know that? Did you know that God preceded this country? Anybody say yes or no to that? I'm not saying that we're not to stand and respect our country, to appreciate the military. I, I do. I think there's a healthy respect to love people and appreciate. I'm not in any way demeaning or putting down what the blood that was shed for our country or the freedoms that we have. But if you get caught up in things that aren't related to getting the gospel into people, you're wrong. Biblically, that's not my opinion. You're wrong. I might even go as far to say as you're sinfully wrong. Jesus Christ saved your soul so that you might be a vessel to express love and mercy to someone else in Jesus' name. That's why you're saved. You're saved to make a difference for the gospel. You're not saved to espouse some opinion. I'm not asking you to change your opinions. You can take your opinions before the Lord and let him talk to you about them. 
But God wants us to love all people, all races, all colors, all creeds, all statuses, all, you know, I, I think of the constant continual confusion. I was, I'll tell you, even in my own heart, in my own heart, recent, just on this trip, I went, we went to a, one of these hipster coffee houses uh, to test it out in Orange County, and, and I had to use the restroom, so I walked around the corner, and I saw the restroom there, and there was the sign there that said, any gender, any gender, and I was going to post it and make some comment about it on my Instagram, and I decided not to because I didn't know how that would gain in any way whatsoever the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I just didn't do it. Now, I, I don't like it. I don't like my daughter being in a restroom where a guy can, I, I can say that I don't like it. I would teach my daughter how to be careful there. And, but that's the world in which we live. And so someone that's using that restroom is maybe confused about their gender. Maybe they don't have Christian parents or they don't have influence to help them understand that God made them male or female or that they can be comfortable in their own skin or they don't have to believe the lies or we can help them in their confusion. They're going to look for a restroom like that. And we need to learn how to navigate in a culture that's ever changing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when a death sentence put on our lives, that we don't look to save ourselves, but we lay our lives down for a friend because there's no greater love. There's no greater love to be expressed. And so I found myself even, I, I literally was going to take a picture of that restroom to make some kind of comment, that sign, not the restroom, wasn't anything special about the restroom, but the sign on the door. I know that's our culture. I, I know that's our culture. And instead it should trigger in my mind, there's a lot of confused people that that sign will make sense to. There's a lot of people wrestling with things. And I know there's a group of people that are very active and, and, and very vigilant. I get that, but they need to be saved too. And I'm not saying to lay down and just let the culture go to hell. I'm saying to stand up and preach the gospel to a culture that's headed to hell. That's what I'm saying. To live out the gospel. We were also on this last trip. We went to the Harvest Crusade. Uh, I was talking about it on Sunday, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to be there in time to get there. So we went down. We got right off the plane, got our rental car, and went right to Anaheim Stadium. And we were there for the 30th year of the Harvest Crusade. And I was, as we were there, we're walking in, and there's always those guys that come with their signs to try to stumble people that are going in and out of the crusade. And, you know, Greg Laurie's a false teacher, and, and, and these were actually tame signs. There was only a couple people this time. Uh, there was, the guy, I heard the guy talking. He, he said, yeah, there were supposed to be three of us, but one didn't show up. Praise God for that. Maybe that was an answer to prayer, right? He didn't make it. Uh, he got a flat tire, and he's right. I don't know what happened, but... They were there to stumble people because they had this message and it was really in your face. And, and you know what? They didn't make any difference. They weren't representing Jesus Christ at that crusade. They weren't representing in any way the love of Jesus Christ. And I, we stopped by to listen to them and they weren't. And whether we carry a sign like that, and you go, Ed, I'd never do that. But maybe your life is carrying a sign that doesn't in any way represent Jesus Christ. Where you do, you might be listening to me because I, I might have offended you and I didn't mean to offend you, so please forgive me if I did. I only want you to consider this in light of the gospel because you're there and you go, well, Ed, I served in the military and, you know, or my, I lost a, a friend in the military or my family in the military fighting for this freedom and I really believe in this freedom. Well, I want to honor that in your life and say, yes, hold on to that and thank you for your service and thank you for those that are serving right now, many of you at Buckley, thank you. But I'm also asking you, yeah, go ahead. Thank them in Jesus' name. I agree. I agree. But this, this, so, so if I had to summarize what I'm saying, this is what I'm asking you to do. 
take that sense of honor and take that sense of, of commitment and take that sense of, of honest appreciation and lay it before the Lord and ask him how he can use you and your opinions for the gospel. And he'll show you. You won't lose anything by submitting yourself to Jesus Christ. You won't lose anything. You go, well, maybe I'll lose my identity or maybe uh, I'll lose that sense. Maybe I serve for nothing. You didn't serve for nothing because the freedoms that we express in this country allow us to get the gospel out with relatively complete freedom. And, the, and God will honor that in the, on the Bema seat of rewards, certainly in your life. But it doesn't further the gospel by putting people down and judging them and becoming hyper-judgmental and pointing fingers and making comments. It doesn't help the gospel. It's wasted. It's wood, hay, and stubble. Daniel is standing on behalf of God. There is a God. And in order to say there is a God in heaven, our lives need to reflect the character and nature of that God in heaven. Otherwise, we'll never get an audience. There's a danger in the church today. There's a danger in the church today, and we're seeing it rise up in this generation more than ever before, where so much of the church seems to be defined by what we're against instead of what we're for. That we're known who we're against. We're known what we're against. Oh, we don't approve of that. Oh, we don't like that. Oh, no, not here, not Christians. We don't like that. Those guys and that group. And yet, we're not known for who we're for. Nobody really ever gets a good representation of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've forgotten where you have come from. <laughs> you were one of them. I was one of them. And God saved me and pulled me out of the miry clay. And I'm grateful that the best way that, and we've learned this. This is Pastor Chuck taught us this. My pastor taught me this. The greatest way to dispel the darkness is not to curse the darkness, but rather to turn on the light. In the darkest of places, the littlest of light illuminates the room. And so while we do believe, and I, I understand that by Jesus Christ died because of sin, your sin and mine. And in our culture today, it's just rampantly filled with sin. And I'm not asking to accommodate sin. I'm not asking you to approve of sin in any way whatsoever. I'm just asking you to consider how you're delivering the message in your life and from your mouth, especially with social media. It's one thing to look at the world and say, what a shame the world is that way. It's a whole other thing to do something about it. Now that you've made a good diagnosis that the world is in trouble, that would be an accurate diagnosis. Now the real question is, what are you going to do about it? A thought-provoking question we'll leave you to think over. Today on Abounding Grace, the great takeaway is you are powerful in God's hands. In fact, that's the title of this message from Pastor Ed Taylor. Again, you are powerful in God's hands. Hear it again through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or listen to Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora and download that today.
We've been blessed in recent months by the large volume of people who have called or written to let us know that they listen and how God is doing a great work through the teaching of His Word. We are so thankful to God for this. And if you'd like to share your story, please email us through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We really do want to hear from you. And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that's inspirational, to put it mildly. It's Standing in the Fire by Tom Doyle. There is no doubt we live in a dangerous world with a virus that's hard to contain, civil unrest, and people doing harm to others. It would be easy for us to be paralyzed by fear, but there's another way to go, and that is to stand courageously. This book will encourage you to be courageous and realize you're a victor in Christ. Request a copy of Standing in the Fire when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. And thank you for helping us get the word out on stations like this one. As you partner with us, it's thrilling to see how God uses it to bless and encourage so many lives through the radio and Internet. Another convenient way to make a donation is online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also want to tell you about our live stream here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Simply log on to calvaryco.church and look for our online campus. You can then look over our schedule and start streaming. You can also watch our services on YouTube. Subscribe to the free channel at Calvary Church with Ed Taylor. Well, we'll put a bookmark where we left off today in Daniel and join us next time for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor as there is so much more to come. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.